leadership in cybersecurity isn't just about understanding threats. It's about leading a team to navigate them with confidence. At CPF Coaching LLC, we specialize in taking your leadership skills to the next level. With over 15 years in the cybersecurity field, we empower professionals and startups to reach unprecedented heights. Imagine having a personalized coaching experience tailored to your unique career ambitions. From strategic planning to masterful pitch and interview preparations, we're here to guide you through every challenge. Join us for our unique value proposition workshops or dive into our vibrant learning community for continuous skill advancement. Don't just be a part of the industry. Redefine it. Visit cpfcoaching.com for more information. Discover the leader within. Contact CPF Coaching LLC today and schedule your strategic session. Hey, security peeps. We are live on this Friday morning once again with our awesome co-team here while we break LinkedIn with Breaking Into Cybersecurity in the Hacker Valley Studio team. I am Renee Small and I'm excited to be here. As you all know, or if you don't, I my company is Cyberhuman Capital and I mostly work on focusing on hiring wonderful cybersecurity professionals like my three dear friends right here. And I will kick it over to my Chris to be introduced. Hi. <laughs> this Chris? <laughs> yes, my Chris. <laughs> I'm Chris Fulo, um, Renee's co-host on Breaking Into Cybersecurity and a senior security consultant at Grimm. And I just like helping people um, break into the industry and improve their overall career. Excellent. Nice. My Chris. <laughs> <laughs> What's going on, everybody? Chris Cochran from Hacker Valley Studio. Uh, glad to be here. Uh, we do this every Friday. Uh, make sure you put your questions down uh, wherever you're watching this. Uh, we answer them. Uh, also, a practitioner at Netflix on the cybersecurity team. Uh, love doing this stuff. Love reaching out and, and producing content for everybody. So, yeah, over to Myron. <laughs> <laughs> I think everybody said it best. You know, we're all podcast hosts here, part of Hacker Valley Studio and all about uncovering the human element behind our practitioners. Excellent. So today we are going to two things. I want to reiterate what Chris Cocker said. Please put your questions in the chat. We, we like to make this interactive and fun. Although the four of us can have a ball by ourselves, we want you, <laughs> we want you included as well. I'll be a part. Um, yeah, be a part of the conversation. And then um, secondly, our topic for today is really going to be focused on, it's a check-in. So mm-hmm. kind of like checking in with each other. This is our fourth edition now. I think it's we've been doing this for four yeah. weeks. It's been a month already? It's been a month already. Wow. Oh my gosh, this time warp. It's crazy. Um, so it's been a month that we've been doing this. And so we're doing a check-in. And then we're also, uh, my Chris, Chris Fulong, said that we should focus on um, talking about what we're learning while we're in this uh, coronavirus world, this new virtual <laughs> virtual right. world that we're in. So, Chris, you want to take it away since this is your topic of the day? Oh, great. Um, sure, <laughs> take it away. Um I'm finding new ways to learn new new topics, um, both for work and at home. So for example, I needed a bike to get out of the house and to um, not go crazy. So I've been reading up about mountain bikes, about local trails, about things like that to keep me physically active, as well as working on my health. 
Um, at work, I'm working on improving my project engagement skills as a ah. PM. So I've been reading this, and um, while not the most current book, it does have a lot of helpful tips in there that you can adjust to uh, the new normal. Because, of course, this was written in a time where everyone was on site and you were engaged with your clients directly. Uh, so now you just have to find new ways to do that. And um, those are some of the things that I'm working on. Chris, what about you? So uh, I've been working on a couple things. I've been trying to figure out new ways of, of staying in shape. Uh, obviously, you know, we can't get to the gym as much as we were before, but you know, I've been doing doing my thing. I've been alternating between doing this swing workout. I've really fell in love with kettlebells. Uh, for those of you that are now searching for kettlebells to do your workouts, uh, they're all gone, every single <laughs> one of them, because uh, I need to move up and wait. Uh, but I cannot find a kettlebell. It's terrible. So I've just been up in the reps and uh, up in the, the duration of the workout, also doing push-up workouts and stuff like that. But keeping it, keeping it minimal, you know, I'm a, a dad with three kids and a bunch of people in the house, so I uh, don't have a ton of time uh, on top of doing the podcast and my full-time job. Um, one thing I did want to mention uh, for folks out there is that Ron and I, we were actually uh, uh, selected as finalists for the EU Blogger Awards. Uh, super, super pumped. This is uh, the first uh, potential award for uh, Hacker Valley Studio. And uh, yeah, so uh, there's a link uh floating around somewhere we'll, we'll put it in the uh the chat to make sure that people can get to it uh to go ahead and vote so please give us a vote uh but yeah i i've really been focused on how do we make our podcast better so better equipment ron and i've been doing our research uh how do we you know reach more people how do we engage with more people how do we produce better content how do we get better guests like uh, it's it's been kind of an obsession. Uh, I think somebody needs to check in on me because uh, I, I just can't stop. <laughs> but yeah, so just fitness, doing my work, being a good dad, being a good husband, and doing the best podcasting that I can. Renee, before Ron goes ahead, um, I think we need to learn some of their podcasting skills because we're slacking. Oh, <laughs> yeah. You guys are amazing. What are you talking about? Yeah. Um, fantastic. I was going to say, A, congratulations, because you do, you do such a phenomenal job. I mean, I was so impressed even when you first started. I think it was, well, I think you and I chatted, Chris, you were on Breaking Into Cybersecurity like six months ago or eight months ago, like yeah. a while ago mm -hmm. when you first started. And I was so impressed by the whole the whole podcast studio and everything. I'm like, wow, this is really professional. <laughs> so, <laughs> Thank so you on so top much. of the equipment and everything else and the content you put out and just the diversity of content. Like I just love all of the different ways you all talk about different topics and I really, you know, fingers crossed, everybody get out there and vote. I'm voting for for please, for please, uh, please for these guys because y'all yeah. are y'all are pretty awesome thank you thank you that's always great to hear what are you learning about uh for me it's the same thing i'm learning about uh kind of outside of the things that chris just talked about i am also diving deep on kind of reverse engineering processes so how do we make our podcast higher in the ranking there's you know uh not necessarily formulas for it but there are certain things that people do. So kind of taking their strategy, mm -hmm. seeing how we can implement it and reverse engineer that process. But outside of that, 
I've also been learning about relationships, like how to kind of be more of a thoughtful person in any type of relationship, whether it's a friendship, um, romantic, or even with my parents, um, really been doubling down on that because now is the time, you know, life is precious. We see that um, with everything that's going on. So why not learn and develop that skill even more? So I've been really taking care of myself, uh, my skill set, and also checking in on my loved ones uh, every every chance I get. That's fantastic. So what have I been up to? What have you been up to? I have been trying to stay stay sane, um, learning about how to get a little bit of knowledge into these kids' heads while we, the moms of the world and dads, homeschool. So that has been a learning experience and process. And like, I think I've said it on every podcast, God bless the teachers of America and the world. (laughs) I don't know how they're doing it on a day-to-day basis. So that's one area. And then what I have learned, and I don't know, this, this might be a bad thing. It's it's, it's good, but it's bad. Um, I've learned how to make some really great drinks. So my, my, uh, the, the drink game has definitely gone up. I've been making <laughs> lemon martini, lemon drop martinis, all types of martinis. French martini is perfected. Um, now I'm off to the Moscow Mule. So I'm staying in the oh. vodka, staying in that space. Yeah. <laughs> I've, increased, I've increased the level of the types of vodka that I've been using. <laughs> um, so, yeah, it's, it's bad, but it's yummy. <laughs> I know no one's drink or driving out there, but uh, drink responsibly. <laughs> Tweet responsibly when you're drinking. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Hence why I haven't been making many comments on LinkedIn or Twitter. Just keep it all together. <laughs> what, what's so been the drink of choice? You said martinis? Um, what I really like, I mean, I started the month off with martinis, but then I started doing Moscow Moscow mules without the little that cup that it comes in. Uh, the metal cup. So, right, the metal cup. So I, the ginger beer is just so delicious. It so is. That's, that's, that's the thing. That's the one. Okay. Um, one of the things that I did want to mention was um, – Andrew Miller, um, as kind of was the one that sparked this conversation today, because he shared after listening to some of our podcasts, some helpful links for those who are also looking to up their skills game. And he shared some links for some Splunk courses, for some ServiceNow courses, and for some Scrum fundamental courses that we can go ahead and and share in the comment section, but yeah. that's really what got this started. So um, what are some of the other ways that <clears throat> Chris, like for example, yourself, like what technologies are you looking to focus on that would help you improve your role um, on a day-to-day basis? You're talking from a work perspective? Yes. Yes. Yeah. So from a work perspective, we're doing a lot of, uh, you know, <laughs> orchestration, you know, that's Ron's go-to uh, field because, you know, we're, we're in a space where we have a lot of work to do and we have technologies and we need to make sure those technologies are talking to each other and doing a lot of the work that we don't necessarily have the time to do. Or if we had the time to do it, we, our efforts would be best suited to do other things. So looking at how do we orchestrate? So 
for those of you that don't know, uh, Netflix actually just open sourced uh, a tool we call Dispatch, and that's for uh, incident response. And it's uh, an amazing tool uh, built by uh, uh, Mark Villanova and Forrest uh, and also uh, Kevin uh, Gilson. Uh, uh, just check it out. It's a fantastic tool. It's, it's up on GitHub and uh, also on our open source page. Uh, but yeah, so that's the type of technology that we're looking at now. And what about yourself, Ron? For me, um, you know, I work with a lot of individuals that code all day and we kind of engineer things to talk to each other, kind of like Chris was saying, but it's mainly through programming. Um, so when I'm looking at tools, I'm looking at a lot of productivity tools. I'm looking at tools that can enable me to be more productive with my customers or even my team. So the, the tools that I've been looking at are, and also that we've even onboarded with the podcast, is a tool called Calendly. Calendly yes. allows people to look at my calendar and schedule time with me. So even if like someone random were to want to sync up with me and just chat about something specific or generic, I would send them my Calendly. Like take the headache of scheduling off of myself, but allow me and the individual or me and the team to still have an opportunity to sync up. Um, I'm also looking at some note-taking apps too. There's this app called Notion that I've been using a lot. Um, Notion is uh, a great tool for note-taking. You can take your notes in Markdown, um, but when you copy and paste it to a Word or Google Doc, it keeps the formatting. So you could easily take your notes from uh, Notion to GitHub or Notion to Google Docs. So just having that agility as an architect is very important for me and my team. Yeah, I've been using um, Buffer to help post uh, relevant articles because I don't always have the time in the middle of the day to to check all, everything that's happening and to post all the time. So uh, I use Buffer because I, I find useful articles that I do want to share, but I don't want to share 10 of them all at once. Um, so I kind of use that as a way to, to spread out the posts and still get the information out for people. Tell us a little bit about uh, Buffer because we were definitely interested in, in seeing what applications we could use it for on, on our end. Uh, how, do, how does it work? It, number one, is it free? Number two, uh, how, does, <laughs> how does it uh, actually um, pick the, the feeds that you, you want to submit or the articles you want to submit? Is it based Great on RSS? Or? Yeah, so um, yes, there are free options. So unlike, say, the, the other ones like um, Hootsuite or something like that that you have to pay for, there's a free option of Buffer that allows you to post to up to three channels and buffer up to 10 posts. So there's a plugin that you can use in your browser or you can uh, manually type in the content in their web portal and you can add links and pictures. Uh, the one thing that it doesn't allow you to do is tag any individuals. So that's mm -hmm. the one downside. Um, now about getting content to there, I use another tool called um, Feedly where yeah. I would connect all my RSS feeds um, so instead of going to a hundred different sites to find useful articles, um, on a daily basis, I would check my Feedly collection. Um, and I populated that from an article that I do have on my, um, on my LinkedIn profile with over a hundred different information security feeds, um, that you can 
that you can look at yourself. And Feedly kind of aggregates those, and I can look at see see what's trending, see what the headlines are, and if I see something that's interesting, then I use the the plugin in in Firefox to um, post that straight to Buffer. I gotta ask because I'm always curious. Um, I look at a lot of information a day, and I think I'm overwhelming myself. How are you looking at a hundred feeds <laughs> and making sense of it all? Sense of it all, and uh, kind of prioritizing what you're looking at and how long you're looking at it for. Well, there, there you go. So, because um, I'm not in a threat intelligence role, I'm <laughs> I'm focused on things that are interesting to me. So, I do have uh, separate categories. So, some are for business, some are for government areas, some are for mergers and acquisitions, um, some for information security, some for data breaches. So, I kind of have those different categories. And then I kind of go through and Feedly just gives me like the, the headline and the first couple sentences within that article. And if it strikes my interest, I'll go ahead and click on it. If not, um, I'll let it pass by. But it's mm -hmm. something that I do maybe during a couple minutes of downtime, but um, I, I wouldn't spend too much time on it uh, for myself, but I want to see what's happening, what's happening out there. Um, I think one of the things during this crisis that some people do is they overload on news, they overload on CNN or whatever uh, news channel they go to, and then they build up anxiety around what's happening. Um, I don't want to do that. So I try to limit my ingestion of a pandemic related information, but I still want to get uh, relevant um, information. So I do do I do go directly to things like the World Health Organization, um, as well as the CDC and John Hopkins. I kind of keep those three areas for um, updates. Um, and then for my information security feeds, I have a bunch of different ones. Chris is Chris is pretty fantastic about taking all of that data and being able to parse it in so many different ways. And it's one of the things that I, it's, it's, is awesome about what he does and how he provides that information. And I think it's so helpful to people, especially as they try to break into the industry um, because they're looking for just all types of data and info. And um, by him sharing some of those, some of those blogs um, and just data, just news feeds and things like that. It's really, really helpful. Um, I was going to add in another thing that I'm working on is, I know another thing that I'm working on is um, building out a talent acquisition operation, operations guide and streamlining processes when it comes to that. So um, one of the things that I'm doing is helping um, helping a company really build out their TA team or just the, the, the operations as a whole. Um, and that is just piecing that, putting it all together is, is really a lot of fun. It's super interesting. Um, and for companies that, you know, mo most companies that I've worked in have been really, really large and they have these big machines. And, you know, we talk about things like applicant tracking systems and getting lost in there and all that stuff. So it's really cool to kind of learn and build something, help build something from the ground up. It's, it's a lot, a lot of fun. 
talking about learning new systems, um, question for Chris and Ron when he comes back. Um, Chris, what are some of the ways that you future-proof your career for what's coming down the pike? Um, not just focused on the here and now, but how, how do you prepare yourself for what's what's to come? Yeah, so a lot like you were explaining earlier is uh, how do you learn about learning or learn how to learn better, uh, which is the concept of meta-learning that we talked about last week. So being able to you know, focus on, you know, what are the most efficient ways to learn something new and learn something new quickly is uh, something that I constantly work on. Uh, I, I think you, you can't be good enough in that area. I think there's that's something you always have to work on, especially, you know, as you get older, you know, making sure you have that neuroplasticity to to, to continue to keep your, your mind sharp. Um, so, yeah, that's that's what I try to do is, is to keep that axe as sharp as possible. And how do you decide what to learn on to keep yourself relevant? Like, for example, in within your role, um, how do you know what the next um, skill is within threat intelligence or what the next technology is that's coming down the pike so that um, you can test it out ahead of time yep. and you just don't learn about it once it becomes popular? Yeah. So, I mean, I, I really keep an ear out, you know, with my friends, with my, you know, my network, because they're going to figure out things uh, and they're going to get early warnings of the, the, the next emerging, you know, new hotness in technology. And so whenever they say, hey, you need to definitely check this out, that's what I, I do. I, I give it a shot. Maybe you bring it in for a POC and uh, see if it if it's, you know, my needs. Renee, what about yourself? How do you how do you keep up with any of the changes in the recruiting world or in um, helping companies ensure that they keep up with the changes? No, that's really um, a couple of things that I do is and the reason why I have the recruiter, our little recruiter uh, podcast on Wednesday, Super Recruiters, is I definitely like to connect with peers and see what is happening in different companies and the different projects that they're working on and really understanding what the market is bearing, because I could be seeing one thing. I know a, a couple months ago, we were all kind of seeing the same things and trends. And so asking them about, um, hey, what is it that you're seeing? This is what I'm seeing, you know, um, how quickly people are responding, how, how much, um, senior leadership is how long senior leadership is taking to hire people. Um, another resource that I use is LinkedIn. LinkedIn has some, from a recruiting perspective, they have some really, really amazing data since it's probably like the biggest job, quote unquote, job board at this point. Um, and they really, really kind of hone in on when people are hired and when people are not. So like this, right this in the middle right now is typically hiring super busy season. So January, February, March, like Q1 and the beginning of um, Q2 is when people typically move around. Um, and there's a lot of hiring activity that typically goes on. It's actually still a, a really a lot of hiring activity going on. It's just in specific roles and in specific industries. Um, so we, you know, we talk about that. We share, uh, I look at that data to see what's happening in the industry so that I could take stuff back to, 
you know, the different leaders and partners and say, hey, this is what we're seeing. This is what, you know, is happening across the country, across the world, you know, year over year, like what was happening last year in comparison to this year. Um, DICE also puts out a really good, they put out a second um, um, white paper recently that I was reading around, you know, technology professionals and how the market is still, you know, people are, are getting snapped up, people are getting hired. I've been personally talking to people who they're like, sorry, I just got three offers and I took one, you know, <laughs> so, so it is happening, you know, and it's definitely a lot of doom and gloom to your point to, to what you were saying, Chris, in terms of the news and things like that. But mm-hmm. there is hiring happening right now, especially in this industry. If you have technology, the skills that you all have, there are, there are droves of opportunities out there. So, so those are some of the places LinkedIn, um, Dice is good for this kind of data. And then talking to my peers. Yeah. Speaking about resources, uh, we have a comment from Clifford Stokes Jr. He said, please create a list of these books. I just finished the book that Ronald mentioned on an earlier one. Uh, one thing I did want to mention is we definitely need to get a book list together because uh, I'm sure we could fill it up. I know, Chris, you have one already. Uh, but let's make a new one uh, just off of these lives. Uh, one book I wanted to mention, and it's really, really applicable to podcasting. So you guys might want to read it. It's Out on the Wire. This was actually a book recommendation from Jack Resider when we had him on our podcast. Uh, Jack, For those of you that don't know, Jack Resider is the host and producer of Dartnet Diaries, which is a phenomenal podcast. He's amazing. He he is like a prodigy when it comes to, to podcasting. But um, what it does is it teaches you basically how to tell a story. How do you make stories interesting? And cybersecurity, I think cybersecurity is all about stories, right? How do you convey your value to uh, the C-suite? How do you convey your value to the board? Whether you're doing intelligence, whether you're doing vulnerability management, hunting, compliance, all these things are all about stories. So being able to tell a really good story is super important. So uh, again, that book is out on the wire. Definitely check it out, especially if you're thinking about doing a podcast, because it's it's super, super good resource. We um, need to read that. What, one of the collections of books talking about like um, finding yourself and finding new things to do during this time. So whether you want to spring off into a side project or something like that, um, it's from an author called Dory Clark. Um, she's written several books. Um, the three that I would recommend is Stand Out. And that one could be within your career, within um, your current role, to stand out and show your value. Um, Reinventing You, which is one kind of geared towards your transition if you're looking to do something else. And then the third one is your, your entre- entrepreneurial you. And that is if you're looking to branch out and do something new. And what, what I like about um, Dory's work is that you're, it's a simple read, um, not too long, but really good advice and um, things that you can incorporate without too much effort. And I think um, resistance is the, the biggest stop to anyone changing anything. So uh, those little things are always handy. Cool. So Manisha wants to know, can you suggest any advice? I'm applying for information security jobs in this global pandemic and it's too slow. So I'll take that one, Manisha. 
Um, it is going to be a slower process just overall, I think, because we're dealing in a pandemic. Like you think about this, this, there's multiple different layers in a, in a standard, regular um, environment, you know, there tends to be usually hiring cybersecurity professionals as a whole um, takes 90 days plus. Um, some companies are much, much, much faster, but on average, that's probably the time span taking about three months in general. So you throw on top of that people who are dealing with their day jobs and then trying to hire. And then, you know, if you have children or elderly or whoever else you're taking care of, just being in the middle of this pandemic is just going to put another layer of um, time on getting through to candidates and the, the process overall. So be patient if you're not um, if you're not hearing back, you know, follow up with especially the, the, the top companies that you're interested in or the top roles. If you have, you know, five to 10 top roles, um, connect with the leadership of those roles on LinkedIn and share why you would be a good fit. So, I, I, you know, when it comes to just applying to opportunities, I don't know if you're applying through the company's website or however you're doing it, but the recommendation is always to connect with leaders um, through LinkedIn, letting them know, that you have applied and you're interested and you know one 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 reason why you're awesome and why you would be a good fit for them in their role. So does anyone else want to add anything about that? I would just echo what you said, right? Um, leverage your network. Um, reach out to the leaders that are behind the hiring managers that are hiring managers that are looking for um, the individuals that they're trying to hire today, um, and people are pretty loud that are are hire, that are still hiring. So, a great example is Netflix. Um, I'm sure that might not be the best place to start out in your cybersecurity career, just because I know they mainly hire senior, but they're still blasting on LinkedIn about the fact that they're hiring security engineers. So, I think if you look look at those types of posts, reach out to the people behind hiring the the individual. You'll have a lot of success especially in the slower market. Yeah, that's great. Yeah. We got another question. Uh, Shilpa says, uh, are there any good online sources to keep yourself updated aside from your network? So uh, it really depends on what you're looking for. One resource that I really love is bleepingcomputer.com. They really do a good job of getting the stories up there really quickly. Another place is podcasts. I love listening to podcasts. Uh, the Cyberwire is a good daily podcast you can listen to. Um, plenty of uh, podcasts out there, if, especially if you're wanting to get into security and, and hear other stories about getting into security. Breaking into cybersecurity, I think, is a perfect <laughs> resource. <laughs> so, yeah, it really depends on what you're looking for. Um, also, use things like Twitter, you know, and follow uh, researchers if you're looking for threat stuff. Uh, if you're looking for, uh, you know, different vendors, follow different vendors. Uh, yeah, it, it really depends on what you're looking for. Anybody yeah. else? Um, I, I would I would also say what Chris said earlier, um, Feedly. That's been one of the ways that I've really stayed afloat. You can add a feed to it. If you want to remember it, you can remember it and check on it constantly, or you can just forget about it. So we'll... 
Tomorrow might have gone out. Yeah. Um, I have a question, but it is from it's. He said it's not related to this, but we can make it relatable. Um, it's Hubert De Cruz. He's in HR. He wants to know if updating his resume. He's updating his resume. Would it would do? I think it would help if a tech writer reviewed his resume. If yes, what would be the best place to find such a writer? And then he has a decade of experience in HR. And should he include these experiences in the resume? So Hubert, I'm going to answer your question and it'll, it'll relate to other people's resume related questions since we get those quite often. Um, Danny Barker is awesome with resumes. So that's number one. <laughs> Shout her out. I'll tag her in here. Um, if your resume is not, so this is, this, this is kind of the barometer when getting resume resumes um, done. If you are getting callbacks or if your resume is getting chosen and you can get it in um, through applicant tracking systems and managers are calling you or, or HR and re recruiters are calling you back, then you your resume should be pretty good um, because it's hitting all the keywords. You know, people, it's aligning to the different opportunities that you're applying to. If you are putting resume, if you're, you know, connecting, um, applying, and you're putting your resume out there and it's not getting any type of feedback, then yes, I would definitely have someone review it um, to ensure that it aligns to the types of positions that you're applying for. Um, when it comes to, depending on the type of um, company, I mean, HR is a little bit trickier right now. Um, a lot of companies are putting roles on hold. So on the one hand, you have like technology folks that are really, really, um, getting picked up and getting into different opportunities. And then on the other hand, you'll have like HR, which tends to, if a, if a positions, if, if companies are freezing positions and if um, a company is laying people off, then if you're in recruiting, for example, that, you know, who are you recruiting? <laughs> so, so you're likely going to be looking for opportunities um, in other companies. So you kind of, again, want to target companies that you know are, are looking and are hiring and um, getting a resume that really aligns to whatever it is that they're looking for that you're an expert in is um, a good way to go. So mm -hmm. I think what tends to happen is people have very generic resumes um, and they try to put, they try to be like everything to everyone and it doesn't work that way. You have to kind of get very, very specific, especially during times like this when you're going to have some, you, you may have an influx of competition. You definitely want your resume speaking to, literally speaking to the job description so that when the manager sees it, he or she is like, oh my God, this person is perfect. Like they, they want to, they want to jump all over you or they want to jump all over your resume because your resume really, really looks like what it is that they want. Um, yeah. So. Yeah, um, I had two two situations that happened last week that were right in line with this. One of it was a one one of the situations was a a newer entrant into the market. Um, they had listened to our podcast, but then they ran them, they connected with me and then directly sent me their resume without any context, without trying to um, say what they were looking for. Were they looking for me to refer them to a role, to give them advice? Like, what exactly were they looking for? Um, and then the other one was a more senior individual that same, same thing reached out to me looking for advice. But when they shared their um, when they shared their resume, it was like very dense. 
And I think depending on your area of experience, when you're in senior leadership, your resume should be more focused on results. Like how did you help the business? Um, what problems did you solve? And then what were some of those numbers in regards to solving those problems? Um, whereas if you're more junior in your career, focus on what are your skill sets and how can you be helpful to solving that hiring manager's problems? Because mm -hmm. depending on where you are in your career, you're, you're, you're being brought in for a different task within the role, within the company. Um, would you say that's correct, Chris? Uh, yeah, I would say that's correct. Uh, one thing that I wanted to bring up, and I, I'm glad that uh, someone actually just piped on uh, to ask this question, because this is the second time I've been asked this uh, in a 12-hour period. Uh, Lynette Young uh, said, I'm a recent cybersecurity graduate studying for my Security Plus certification. What do I need to do to get the ball rolling? Uh, I've sent out over 200 resumes but I'm constantly getting rejected for not enough experience. Uh, one thing that I, I like to tell people is uh, do your own project so you can actually have some experience, even if you're not getting paid for that experience. So, you know, build your own, uh, perhaps you can build your own network in your house and then you can, you know, onboard your own SIM. There's a free version of Splunk that you can start playing around with. Um, if you can, you know, and then use that project as a part of your resume. Uh, even though you're not getting paid for it, it still shows that you have the requisite skills to do some of the at least the initial things uh, from a cybersecurity perspective. But I would I'd love to hear from other folks. You know, how how do you folks that are just coming out of school actually get a job in cybersecurity with just a, a graduate degree? Yeah, I definitely recommend that um, to the, the individuals that I've coached is as a hiring manager, I want to see some of the things that you've done. So whether it's been um, in your internship, um, on the side, whether you have a GitHub repo or you have a blog. Um, so if you're looking to be a consultant, um, pick, pick a topic of the week and then write a, a blog dissecting your point of view on that topic. Um, how it could have been handled better or improvements that could have been made, um, sharing your point of view so that if the hiring manager sees that blog, because it, it might be linked on your LinkedIn profile um, and they check out your LinkedIn profile and they see that type of work, then they can have a better understanding as to your thought process and the value that you bring, even though you might not have had um, experience in a role before. I would echo everything that they said, um, both Chris's note, the, in, in regards to the self-directed projects, that is the first thing that I tell people if they have a blank resume. Um, because again, managers want to see that you are, um, that you do have experience, a little bit of experience and not expecting for you to, if you just got into the industry to have a ton of experience but they are expecting that you have done some due diligence and that you're out there doing self-directed projects. Um, also, you may not even have to do an additional project. You may just have to pull from what you did either in grad school or undergrad or what have you, because I'm hoping and I'm, I've, I've heard and learned that that is those projects are what are in your coursework. So if you have related coursework, especially the ones that really, really excited you, if there were part, there's projects that you worked on that made you go to sleep, okay, you don't want to, you don't want to put that up there to talk about it. But if there are projects that you worked on and you were really excited about it, put them on there. Talk about the tools that you use. 
literally go step by step into what you did and then look at other job descriptions another way that another like cheat sheet that i tell people to do all the time when especially when you're looking at like cybersecurity analyst entry level positions if you start looking at especially this young lady that applied to 200 positions there's probably groups of positions that look similar and those positions that look similar the ones that you're most interested in I would take like the first two to three bullets out of each position and kind of align them, highlight them. You'll start to see a pattern. There's likely going to be roles that are all the same. So for example, I don't know how many SOC analysts are floating around there, out, out there, but if you're trying to get into a, you know entry level SOC role and it's asking for you know SIM, um, you know, just certain keywords and then the types of SIMs that you've worked with or worked on, if you're in a grad program or an undergrad program, you likely have a little bit, you have touched these things, you've done this stuff already. So if you keep seeing that over and over and over again, but your resume doesn't have it, then you're pretty much digging yourself out of the process. So when people talk about keywords, they talk about you know, what it is to look for, it's really kind of like when Chris and Ron said earlier, we're reverse engineering how to make Hacker Valley Studio the best podcast. It's same thing. It's reverse engineering. How do you get your resume in front of the hiring manager um, so that you can be the one that's chosen to come in and talk about your skills? So it's a very, very, I used to have a program called Resume in Reverse. <laughs> so you just take the job descriptions, you get copy paste. You know, I'm a firm believer, copy paste. Don't put stuff up there that you don't know. You want to be able to talk to these things. But if you keep seeing it over and over and over again, and you're like, oh my God, I've done that. Why are people not calling me? It's because it's not being spelled out in your resume. Mm -hmm. so. Wow, that's perfect. So true. Yeah. Perfect advice. Got another question. Uh, and I think this is perfect for Ron. Uh, Ashish asks, I'm looking uh, forward to switch my career over to a security solutions architect. What certifications and areas should I focus on moving forward? That is a great question. Um, you know, solutions architect, that's typically a term that means you're working at a vendor or some type of service provider, security service provider. Um, so there's a lot that you'll need to be good at. There's a lot that you'll need to kind of understand. But I think understanding communication is going to be a big aspect in that. Um, just because solutions architects are typically in front of customers or teams or stakeholders providing solutions of some sort. Um, so I would say really make sure that your project management skills are up to snuff. Uh, the technical skills are always great, but your job as a solutions architect is to create a solution. So you'll need to be well-versed in many things, but I think you'll need to be organized enough to uh, uh, make sure that your project goes to completion. That's really the most important piece for a solutions architect is implementing the solution. You have to reach the finish line. Um, I've worked with a lot of um, teams that follow an agile methodology. I think uh, an agile certification goes a long way. I know it's not really cyber or tech related um, per se, but that skill is it's a life skill and it's going to make you successful in any role, especially solutions architect. Question for both of you. Um, when it comes to training and preparing for, for um, new technology, what are your views on like hands on labs versus videos versus reading material? Um, what, what's your preferred method of learning? I got to go hands on. 
I, I have to. I, I can't watch a video and know how to do anything um, because I, I feel like actually going through the process of doing the thing makes me help better. So, for instance, Sands uh, courses are, are great because they actually have exercises and they have you go through um, different things that practitioners would do. And so whenever you go to take the test, you'll know, you'll be able to remember what you were doing in a particular tool and remember what the logs might look like. And then you'll be able to answer the question. But you could, sure, you could memorize what the logs look like just from a picture. But if you actually know how to do it, you just know it so much better. I think it depends. Oh, sorry. Oh, I was just going to agree. I was going to say hands-on is always the best. Um, I, I do have a good memory. I, I've trained it, though. I've trained it over time. So it's gotten better. I can, I, I do prefer someone to talk at me or me to talk at someone. So one of the better ways that I learn is by telling somebody else what I just learned. Yep. Um, so I think if it's not hands-on, teaching it is the best way. Yeah, I like what you say. You say, uh, if you teach it, you get to learn it twice. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I would say um, learning how you learn best, which I yeah. think we mm-hmm. both, we talked about this last week. Um, some people are more, you know, I'm hands-on as well. If I do, if I do whatever it is I'm doing and I do it hands-on, I'll remember it so much more than either reading about it, watching a video or whatever. Um, but I, to, to Ron's point, some people are better at talking it through. Some people are better at reading, you know, they can absorb like a ton of information through reading, through watching videos. So, um, the reason why some of these training courses are so it's a combination of all of it. It's a combination of the textbook and the, you know, and the visual and the teacher speaking and, you know, the, um, the, uh, on the hands-on component is because it's making sure that it touches all the different styles of learning. What do you all think of micro content? I think content is kind of being, um, simplified in lots of ways. Even this live stream, typically maybe something like this would be hours long of content, but now it's just one hour. Um, have you guys found that micro content has helped you get, a get an advance in your career? Yeah, I, I think, um, a, a shining example of micro content would be some, some place like, uh, Cyberary IT that has, um, larger concepts broken down into smaller classes. Um, Udemy also has those types of micro content. Um, I personally like them, um, but like Chris mentioned, I also like doing the thing. So whether um, you have like a a lab at home, uh, machines at home to try these things on, you're using a cyber range, whatever whatever you use to do it, it, it helps me as well. Um, but kind of the other way that I learn is people talking to me um, because I'm an auditory person. <laughs> yeah, totally. So it's so a couple comments here. Mary Galloway says, "Shame, nice plug, Chris, when you plug the the, um, the, uh, the podcast and to make sure, Chris Cochran, to make sure that everyone votes for you. This <laughs> Thank earlier. you, Mary. Like, nice Thank plug. you so much. <laughs> I know, our friend. I'm like, when is she coming on? We can have her oh, on Absolutely. John, Jonathan said, good morning. Um, Dylan is making comments as well. Oh, Mary says she's coming on next week. All right, all right. All we right. might have a guest yeah, here. Yeah, buddy. Um, ben made some really good comments he said the read the read later bookmark feature in field feedly is also killer lets you save articles to read when you can and strips out some of the extra junk from the website mm. so 
Ben has another point around Weebly. So, yeah. Feedly. He also says, what's it called? Feedly. Feedly, not Weebly. <laughs> not Weebly, not Weebly, not Weebly. <laughs> oh, another, um, another tip uh, for the Feedly users out there. There's another uh, website called uh, If This Then That. If you want to integrate, say, your Feedly with a Slack and you want to actually automate putting different articles in your Slack, let's say you're doing like a thread intel feed or something like that for folks, uh, you can actually sign up and then have those articles automatically put into your Slack. I, I use um, if then that then that um, for home automation. Yeah. So yeah. if the temperatures um, drops, switch the, the AC to go to eco. Um, if the temperature is high, ensure that it's not on eco and turn turn the temperature on. But that um, that website has so many integrations and so many cool things that you can do. That's a good yeah. point. And I, I would recommend anyone that is trying to break into cyber, if you're killing some time right now, that's a great thing to learn because there's a lot of security concepts that you'll need to think about when implementing um, all this home automation. Like, all right, what should really have access to my doorbell that has a video camera that you know is going somewhere where is that going ask yourself some of those questions and identify what's the best practice for your home security yeah i would agree that's like such a project and it's so needed like if a person one of the things that's happening right now is that um there's so many people out here that are not used to working from home and not used to being in this environment many of us you know we do this chris and i've been doing this for years um, I know, I don't know if you two, uh, Chris and Ron, I don't know if you all used to go in office a ton or if you worked part, you know, half remote, half not. But for people who literally have never or have not worked remotely for a long period of time, it's just like a one-off. Um, the opportunities that are out there for, up, you know, budding cybersecurity professionals to help people just as a whole, that would be such a great project. You know, I know a lot, a lot of folks are struggling. I have a really, a couple of really good friends that they do not, they have not worked from home in the past. You know, they're usually out in the fields, out, out in, and when I say in the fields, meaning <laughs> out in the, the fields, field, but in the field for them, meaning like working in a hospital, going into, a, you know, a location and it is completely different. You know, and it, and I, I keep seeing all little funny, the 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 videos, the memes of people who think they're on Zoom or think they're off Zoom, but they're not, and they think, you know they don't have on any pants and all this stuff, but not in a joking. You know, a bunch of us could probably get up and not have pants, and it's like it's hilarious. But they thought that nobody saw them, right. <laughs> and that's what's crazy about it. You know, so just helping people through that process. Ben um, also says he wishes he learned in high school how to learn. It's something that we all, I mean, the, the sooner you learn that kind of stuff, I mean, it's just, you end up taking off. Um, and then Ben says, if you're looking for a project and want to implement something like IFTTT, but self-hosted in an open source. So he has, he, he has a link in here. Um, ben, super helpful. DevSecOps. Thank you, Ben. You know, there, ben. Yeah. I have to bring Ben on here too. Yeah. <laughs> Similar to what um, Rod mentioned is for understanding how things are supposed to work. You can also do that concept with um, other things as well. So it might not be something technical, but it could be like a process. Um, so you're at work and you're trying to understand, say, how a payment is supposed to happen. 
if you understand, it goes through this system, and then you figure out who's supposed to interact with it, who's not supposed to interact with it. What are the intended actions? What are the, the possible means of attacking it? Like those sorts of, that sort of analysis, um, similar to, to the trike model, um, would allow you to understand what is and isn't supposed to happen to a process. And then you can suggest ways to improve the security of that process um, to your manager, which they might not have asked about, but if you have some extra time on your hands, why not? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Absolutely. All right. So uh, let's do uh, final rounds. Uh, the only thing I would say is, uh, you know, just do your best to, to get better every day. Um, do something small every single day uh, when you wake up. And, uh, you know, that, that's going to help keep you sane. That's going to help keep you motivated. And you'll be able to move on from there. I'd say do something healthy. Um, keep yourself active. Get some fresh air. Uh, don't watch the news all day. Um, spend time with your family and spend, spend time with nature. Yeah, for me, I, I would also say stay positive. I, I would say, um, you know, in, in this time, it could feel like maybe some things are looking really good or you have some setbacks. Um, either way, you know, just stay positive, keep moving forward. Um, everything is going to, you know, be beneficial in the end for you. You're going to reflect and think back about all the great things that have happened. Also, one of the things I wanted to say, um, Renee, is I'm going to have a question for you next week about what happens if you are working from home all this time and you actually start to enjoy it. How do you kind of <laughs> find a career or position yourself in your current position to work from home permanently so that's going to be one of my questions for you Great next week question <laughs> i have tons of answers around that i have my own philosophy i think all i think the vast majority of these jobs are going to be remote i'm asking mm. for i put an friend, article out yeah <laughs> always asking for a friend always <laughs> <laughs> i put an article out last week i believe and it talked about cfos and how um Right now, the average CFO, they, I think 500 or so CFOs of Fortune 500 companies or Fortune 1000 companies were surveyed and they said 5% of roles are going to permanently be not typical non-remote roles are going to become remote. Mm. And I think wow. any CFO and any board of directors um, as they start to look at numbers, especially when it comes to you know commercial real estate and things like that. And seeing how efficient people have been, you know, over the past couple months, I, I, to me, I cannot see this going back to how it was. So I think there's just going to be more and more remote opportunities as a whole. I mean, we'll jump into it more then because it's 12 o'clock on the East Coast and we all got to jump. But I'll yeah. save it for next week. Oh, my God, such a good question. Let's do it next um, week. <laughs> let's do it next week. Let's do it next. So my final is to um, stay positive. There are opportunities out there. I know because I am recruiting for a bunch. Um and, you know, continue to just um, stay safe, keep your family close, reach out to folks every day, everything all these phenomenal guys have said already. Um, and that's it. So we will wrap our fourth episode. That's yes. crazy. Fantastic. This is like truly just be with you. <laughs> May the fourth be with you. <laughs> It is the it is May first. <laughs> Bye everybody. <laughs> See y'all next Friday. Come with your questions. <laughs>
in the rapidly evolving world of cybersecurity. Your business needs a guide that's as dynamic as the threats you face. CPF Coaching LLC delivers unparalleled expertise to elevate your cybersecurity startup or business with a decade and a half of specialized experience. We're not just advisors, we're your strategic partners in growth and risk mitigation. Our tailored advisory services range from immediate hourly guidance to comprehensive three or six month packages, all supported with encrypted messaging for real-time assistance. For more information, cpfcoaching.com is your destination. Forge a path to success and distinction in the cybersecurity landscape. Connect with CPF Coaching LLC today and secure your business's future.